Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Well, Elizabeth uh, Cheryl is a writer and a, a publisher in uh, Chappaqua, uh, New York. And uh, one day, as uh, she was writing uh, at her word processor, and again, this was back in the days before computers, she looked out the window and she saw a skunk that was stumbling through the backyard, and uh, attached to his head seemed to be a little yellow helmet. Uh, and uh, upon closer scrutiny, she realized it wasn't a helmet, but it was a cup. And uh, the skunk had put its head in the cup, and the cup got stuck to the skunk's head. It was actually a yogurt container. And uh, the skunk had been trying to get the carton off, unable to, and frequently, or, or frantically, was trying to free itself. Elizabeth, who was watching the whole scene, and if you're familiar in Painesville here, you know that uh, just about a month or so ago, this happened to a Painesville City police officer who came across a skunk in a similar fashion, uh, somebody told me. So, uh, but she was, she, she, she was kind of watching from her computer screen, and, and uh, she said to herself, you know what, somebody ought to do something about that, right? Has this poor skunk, he's got this yogurt container stuck on his head, somebody ought to do something about that and then she thought about it and she said well somebody besides me ought to do something about that <laughs> and as she sat there she one realized there was nobody else to help and and she said well the skunk's in my yard I I don't know how I'm going to make this happen so she bravely kind of made her way out into the yard she saw this poor creature and uh and and so she called animal control she said, listen, I've got a skunk in my backyard. He's wearing a yogurt carton. What should I do? And the man said, well, you need to go out there and remove the carton from his head. You can imagine the anxiety that she felt. And she said, well, what if the skunk sprays me? What do I do then? And he said, you'll be fine. The skunk can't see you. And if he can't see you, he can't spray you. She said, well, what do I do when I take it off and he sees me? Right? Right? And there was a moment of silence on the phone, and the man from Animal Control said, well, do your best not to make the skunk feel threatened. Right? Don't make him feel threatened. So she agreed to this. She walked outside reluctantly to find <clears throat> the skunk had disappeared. It wasn't anywhere to be found. And just when she thought she was off the hook, here comes the skunk. This black and white streak comes running towards her from the bushes, and without thinking about the implications, she just reacted and she reached down and she grabbed the yellow carton, she pulled it as hard as she could and suddenly she came face to face with the skunk. She said she held its gaze for a full 10 seconds trying not to make it feel threatened. <laughs> and the skunk turned around and ran off. <laughs> And she said this, she said, to this day, she calls this a timeless parable that played out in my backyard. She said, I realize now the skunk was all of those needs that I hesitate to get involved in. Involvement takes time and I have deadlines to make. I probably can't do anything anyway. 
Somebody else can handle it better than me. Besides, involvement can be ugly and the stench may rub off on me. All of those things, of course, may be true, she wrote, but I've got one, I've got a yellow pencil holder on my desk and rather uh, scratched and battered one to remind me that every now and then God answers a need with me. And friends, that's the truth. That's the truth of the gospel. That's the truth of Jesus Christ, that, that when it comes to the needs around this world, certainly God could answer the prayer. God could meet the need. God could do it. And he does do it, but oftentimes he does it through you and me. He does it through us. The love of Jesus is needed in order to mend the hearts of a a broken and hurting world. In fact, many today would agree that something needs to be done about the problem and the pain and the hurt and the brokenness of our world. I don't think there's anybody in here that wouldn't agree something has to change. Something has to be done. But the question is, are we willing to get involved? Knowing there's a need and agreeing that, that everything about that, that something needs to be done is not enough. <clears throat> Especially for those who claim to be followers of Jesus. See, the world's full of people who are in need and in need of God. And he's called you and I to go out and to live our lives on this mission of loving one another. Of sharing the hope of Jesus Christ and his salvation. And that requires more than just agreement. Matthew 5.13, Jesus said this, You are the salt of the earth. But if that salt, excuse me, you're the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it loses or if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Jesus calls us the salt of the earth. And I don't know if you're familiar with the composition of of table salt, but, but it's the combination of sodium and chloride. That's the that's the combination, and as I understand it, and I am by no means a, a, a chemist or a, a person who, who delves into the scientific, but as I did a little bit of study, sodium is an extremely active element found naturally only, uh, excuse me, only in combined form. That is, it must be merged with something else. So it's an active element that needs to be merged with something else. Chlorine, on the other hand, is a poisonous gas that gives household bleach that offensive odor that it has. And when sodium and chloride are combined, the result of sodium chloride is simply common table salt. When combined, these two elements form a wonderful combination that seasons any food that it comes in contact with. You see, as believers in Jesus Christ, you and I are called to be the salt of the earth. We ought to live our lives in such a way that we have an impact, an effect, or an influence on those that we come in contact with. And like salt has two elements combined to make up this wonderful seasoning, so there are two elements that include discipleship and mission to make a difference in the world around us. What are these two elements. The first is faith and the second is works. Faith and works. 
James 2.14 says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it in your actions? And then it asks this question, can that kind of faith save anyone? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? What James is, is writing about is that our, our faith ought to be shown in the things that we do. Our faith ought to be shown in our actions. If we say we have faith in Jesus Christ, then our actions ought to reflect what comes out of our mouth and the words that we say. And Jesus would agree with this because following his statement about being the salt of the earth, he uses another familiar type of illustration he says you are the light of the world and using these two illustrations he communicates with us as his followers that we ought to be like Jesus Matthew 5 16 continues in the same way let your good deeds shine see that's what we're going to do when we leave here we're going to let our good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. <clears throat> Notice there's a combination. Like salt is a combination of sodium and chloride, so there is a combination it, when it comes to our faith that our faith needs to be evidenced by our works. It's not one or the other. It's both in combination. Faith without deeds is inactive. Faith without deeds is irresponsible. Faith without deeds present in the church not in everyday world, is incompatible. If you just sing songs and raise hands, but you are divorced from having particular ethics or morality or from serving the Lord in the real world, your faith lacks a commitment. It lacks worth. It lacks any kind of, uh, of, of real world experience. I can say all day long, this is what Jesus has called me to do. I can say all day long, this is, I believe in the power of God. I believe we're supposed to share his love with a lost and dying world. But if we never do, if we never do, what does that say about our faith? What does that say about what we believe? Works without faith is equally dangerous, right? Because without faith, works might come out of duty rather than joy. When we have works without faith, it leads to legalism and bondage. Works without faith is like trying to drive a car without any gasoline. That's the picture of the Christian life. Where faith is vital. If we try to do the duty of being a a believer in Jesus Christ, we need faith to energize and be behind the motivation behind what we do. It is the fuel that drives our faith or else we fall short. You see, faith to be effective needs to be in combination with deeds as much as sodium needs to be combined with chloride. James 2.22 mentions that in the case of Abraham, faith and actions were working together. There's a word in the Greek language that, that carries over straight in the English language. Jace, uh, and and it, James says that our faith and our actions are synergizing. The word synergism, synergism means this, that when two parts are put together, the power of those two parts is united. In, it, it, the, the power of those two parts united is greater than the power of the individual elements when separated. So again, 
you have the energizing uh, element of, of sodium, but it's not effective unless it's mixed with chloride. Similarly, when you have faith and you have works together, there's a, a synergism. There is a new power that is mightier than each of them in isolation. It's the power of coming together is greater than simply faith alone or works alone. So what does this kind of faith look like? Well, let's look again at the book of James. James is very practical. <clears throat> James chapter 2, 15 to 17 gives us an example. It says, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? You see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. You see, true faith involves more than simply lip service. In this passage, James illustrates that the lip service we sometimes give when it comes to faith, we hear about someone who's in need, we hear about something in our community or somebody that has a need, and we use all kinds of religious words Oh, praise the Lord, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, God let God will provide for you, right? We wish them well. Meanwhile, we ignore the need that they have. We know that right phrases don't do anything to truly meet the need. It doesn't truly meet the need. True faith involves more than simply mere talk it means getting involved to serve and meet the need and again earlier we read in the book of James but don't just listen to God's word you must do what it says otherwise you're simply fooling yourselves see faith requires action faith requires obedience not mere words we can tell people that we believe that God provides that God cares that God loves but if we ignore the needs around us and if we refuse to truly get involved they'll not see Jesus who truly loves them John wrote about this first John 3 17 someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion how can God's love be in that person you see, it's the love of Jesus that is seen in and through us when we serve those who are in need, when we're willing to demonstrate the love of Jesus by serving and meeting the needs that those around us have. True faith also, not just lip service, but true faith involves more than just head knowledge and emotions. <laughs> I've had many people tell me they believe in God. I believe in God. Do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe that God exists, right? I believe that God exists. I believe in Jesus. Sometimes we get all emotional about it. Sometimes we have this knowledge, this head knowledge. Sometimes we have these emotions and we say, you know what? Yes, absolutely. You know, yeah, I, I believe there's a God. James goes on to write this, though. He says, you, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. I like the new, the new Living Translation. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you say, see that faith without good deeds is useless? See, what, what, what James is referring to is saying that, 
that we've got to move beyond just simply what we know in terms of a knowledge about God and what we have experienced in terms of an emotional response in the moment. And we've got to have a daily practice of putting our faith into action. Putting our faith into action. Jesus is addressing that, again, it goes beyond words and beyond just an awareness that there is a God. Saying there is a God is not enough. Even the demons have that kind of a knowledge. It's not enough. James even mentions the emotion accompanies knowledge and that they tremble in fear, yet that emotion does not lead to change or repentance. People can have an emotional response. I've been in places where people have had an emotional response in the moment, but it has not led to any kind of change or transformation. That faith falls short. It falls short of what it wants to accomplish in our lives. For faith to truly be faith, it must bring about a transformation in our hearts and in our lives. And that transformation then moves towards our deeds. In fact, true knowledge and emotion are unable to produce what the Bible calls the fruits in keeping with repentance. Sometimes we get all emotional, but we're just simply in the moment and we're sorry, but we're not truly repentant to the place where we we need to change, where it produces transformation and change. You see, true repentance has fruit with it, fruit that is keeping with repentance. Saving faith goes beyond the mere knowledge of words and emotion. It's accompanied by the actions that follow, the fruit that follows that says there was true change that took place in the heart. James 1.27, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Oh boy, there's a lot packed into that. Oftentimes when people talk about faith, they simply mean religion, right? They, they mean religion. But oftentimes when it's mere religion, our lives are as corrupted as the world around us. What, can I just ask a question? If someone from the outside that didn't know you were to just watch and see how you live your life. Outside of Sunday mornings, would there be anything in your life that would indicate to them that you're different from a neighbor who has no faith in Jesus? If you were put on trial for being a Christian, I've heard it put this way, would, you, would there be enough evidence to convict you of being someone who follows Christ. You see, so many times we add Jesus or we add church attendance or we simply add this idea of faith to the lives that we already are living and it's just one more thing that we check the box and we say, well, I'm a part of this club and I'm a part and I do this for work And I do this, oh, and by the way, I go to this church and I'm a Christian. And we add it to the labels that we put. But is there really any genuine 
biblical heart change that follows. You see, when we have faith in Jesus Christ, it ought to bring about fruit in keeping with repentance in our lives. There ought to be something different, a different motivation, a different way to live, a different biblical worldview in which we live our lives through, not just simply an addition to to an addition to our already busy schedules. It's been written, millions of Christians live in a sentimental haze of baked piety with soft organ music tumbling in the lovely light of stained glass windows. The religion is a pleasant thing of emotional quivers divorced from the will, divorced from the intellect and the demand that, and, and demand little except lip service to a few harmless platitudes. I suspect Satan has called off his attempt to convert people to agnosticism. After all, if a man travels far enough away from Christianity, he's liable to see it, from the pers- from, see it in perspective and decide that it is true. It's much safer from Satan's point of view to vaccinate a man, <laughs> oh boy, here we go, with a mild case of Christianity, so as to protect him from the real disease. It's much better for, from Satan's point of view to vaccinate us with a mild case of faith than a faith that breaks strongholds and attempts greater things for God and attempts to serve him in every small and practical way. To have just enough of Jesus, not enough to truly bring change, to truly transform our world, to truly transform our families, to truly make a difference, to truly get passionate about God and ignite that kind of faith. Oh no, just a little bit of Jesus is just enough to ease the conscience, but not enough to transform the world. Unfortunately, that's been the way that we've been living as an anemic, vaccinated church that is more concerned about having a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of of religion, but not enough to transform the way in which we live. Oh, we're saved by God's grace. Don't hear me what I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's your works that save you. But your works are certainly a reflection of what you truly believe, not what you say you believe. Grace extended ought to, to the, the grace that's extended to us, we ought to extend to others. Matthew 25, Jesus was speaking of the end times. He was talking about separating the sheep from the goats. Those who follow Jesus Christ and are truly his disciples from those who are pretending. Matthew 25, 34 and 40 that follows, excuse me, says this. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. And I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink? 
or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When do we ever see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing it to me. What we need to understand is, is that when we respond in loving service, when we respond to the Great Commission, when we go out and truly love our neighbor as ourselves, when we go out and we, we become the Good Samaritan, giving of ourselves and sacrificing to love those in the world around us, we need to see it as not just simply serving our neighbor, but serving and glorifying Almighty God. For what we do unto the least of these, we do unto him. We do it unto him. Our, our, our giving and our serving and our compassion, it, it, it is done unto Jesus. And they weren't looking to get anything out of it. They were surprised. When did we do this? We don't even know we did this. Why? Because it's natural when you have a faith in Jesus. That's the natural response is to take the love and the grace and the mercy that you have received and to extend it to others. To extend it to others. They were simply living out their faith in Jesus by those that they loved, those that he loved, loving those he loved. Tony Campolo, I just want to close with this illustration and the worship team can come. Dr. Campolo once shared a story from his home church growing up. He, he, uh, he shared a message about his pastor that his pastor had shared that when he was younger, he, he said, I never forgot this message. His pastor happened to be preaching through the Bible one time and there were some students who were giving a testimony of how they were serving Christ on their college campus. And Dr. Campolo's pastor stood up and he said this children you're going to have to decide whether in this life you're going to go for a title or you're going to have a testimony you can get the title the dd the ma the md the phd but that doesn't matter it's the testimony that matters he said to them, you profess to be a Christian, but that doesn't matter. It's the testimony that matters. And then he went through the Bible and he said, Pharaoh had a title, but Moses had a testimony. Nebuchadnezzar had a title, but Daniel had a testimony. Jezebel had a title, but Elijah had a testimony. Herod had a title, but John the Baptist had a testimony. Pilate had a, a title, but all oh, King Jesus had a testimony. And he said to them, children, one day, one of these days, you're going to die. You may not believe that, and you may not like that, but that's reality. You're going to die someday. And they're going to take you out. Somebody's going to dig a grave, and they're going to drop you in that grave. And they're going to throw dirt in your face. And then they're going to go home. And they're going to go back to their lives and back to their church. And they're going to go there, and they're going to eat potato salad. And as we call it around here, funeral chicken. Right? In that day, when you stand before the Lord, the question that he's going to ask is not, did you have a title? The question's not going to be, did you teach a Sunday school class? Or did you serve as a deacon? Or were you a pastor? The question is going to be, do you have a testimony? Do you have a testimony? Will you hear from the Lord, well done, thou good and faithful 
servant. See, those go together, done, deeds. Faithful, faith. And like sodium and chloride, when they are joined together by the Lord himself, in that day as we stand before him, we will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. So what about you? What about you? Are you known simply by a title or by a testimony? Will you live your life on mission and put feet to your faith? Or will it simply just be hollow words? Today, in response to this message, we are going to head out to places in our community to serve and to love in very practical ways. Again, some of you have already signed up. Others of you may be coming and saying, I'd like to to serve. And so following this time of prayer, I'm going to pray a prayer of commission over us. And following this time, we're going to get in our vehicles and we're going to go out to those areas uh, where we have around the community. And again, if you have not signed up, you can go to 25, I think it's called 25 Freedom Road. There's where Project Hope is at and they need some help there. Or you can go right downtown over to Harvey High School and you can help pick up some of the trash around Harvey High School. And again, if you have another place, maybe there's someone that you know that's in need and you're just feeling in this message, maybe I need to take the time and I need to go and love them. I need to go and serve them. Let's go out in our community and let's show and share and serve and show the love of Jesus today. Let me pray a prayer of commission over us today and then we're gonna close just by glorifying the Lord in worship, and then I'll come up here, I'll close us out, and we're going to head out and serve. Father, thank you today. Thank you today for your love and mercy and grace. Father, we need your Holy Spirit in our lives. We want to be a people that don't just give lip service, that don't just have head knowledge, that aren't just moved by an emotional experience that are truly transformed and that our faith is so internalized that whatever, whenever we, whatever we, however we live, it just comes out. It's just a part of us. It, it's a response, God, to the change that you've done in our hearts. Father, I just pray today your blessing and your anointing as we go out, as we put feet to our faith, And as we go out and serve and love our community, I pray, Lord, over each area, Vista Springs and and Salvation Army and Hannah's Home and Project Hope and Harvey High School and, Lord, the the serving that's going to be done and preparing the bags of love and then the team that's going to just bless those, Lord, who 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 are just, Lord, dealing with cancer treatment and And Lord, as we prepare and get ready for fall outreach and other things, Father, we just pray your anointing and blessing. And thank you for the team yesterday that was a part of the Painesville City Cleanup Day, Lord, as they were out serving our community. Father, I just pray a blessing and an anointing, and I commission this church out to serve our community. Lord, may our light shine, and may lives be impacted and transformed by your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. 
For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.